me with it. Just give it to me straight. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! This is a Bandit Radio production. When I wake, you can break my spirit. It's my dreams you take. You're listening to One Team, One Podcast, your unfiltered source for LSU sports. Presented by Courtesy Automotive Group and Bandit Radio Productions. I've watched you sleeping for a while. I'd be the father of your child. I'd spend a lifetime. On this very gloomy episode of One Team, One Podcast, we discuss the dark days of college football. And we also have former LSU basketball coach, John Brady. We will discuss basketball and his time with the Tigers. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. All right, guys. Welcome back to One Team, One Podcast. It's Matt and Jack. Yes, sir. All right, so episode 23, right? 23, Jordan. All right, for LSU players, though. Pete. Pete. Maravich? Oh, Pistol. it's got to be Pistol Pete. Pistol Pete episode, guys. Oh, yeah. All right, so. That's a, 23's retired, right? Basketball's retired, yeah. yeah. Football, sure. though. Is there any famous football players number 23? I don't know of any. Micah Baskerville. Is he 23 so or no. 24? Micah Baskerville's 23. 23, okay. So, no, no famous basketball. No famous oh, football maybe this year. I don't know. Well, it, are we going to have a season? Hey, are we going to have a season? I don't know what's going on, guys. We're, we're getting uh, – the news today has just, got me like – Pretend like there's going to be a season. I'm in a swivel chair right now, and I feel like just swiveling or all the way around over and over and over. I've been pacing a lot today. You've been pacing? Mm-hmm. I've been – you know what? I'm like, let these guys figure it out. Um, I'm not going to get a, have a heart attack over this. Yeah, no. I've I mean, been pacing a lot. Yeah, huh? I've just been pacing a lot. You've been pacing. You're still nervous about it. I just feel weird. I, the, yesterday was the first time that it really hit me that like football season might not happen. Oh yeah, I like, mean it's just like, I I've, I've always realized it was a possibility, but yesterday was the first time like it hit me. Right when they uh when we when we thought the Big Ten was canceling, and still might. Yeah, I think the Big Ten probably is going to cancel probably at so. this point. Um, I think that you're going to have a lot of teams that are not happy about that in the Big Ten because I feel like they didn't think it was their decision. Um, I feel like you have some presidents that are getting involved and they're, I think there's a lot of politics that are going on right now. And it, it almost makes it to where it's out of everybody's hands. It's out of the coaches' hands. It's out of the players' hands. And I know the players stepping up, I think, is probably your, <laughs> the best thing yeah, that could our, ever happen that's the only thing we got it is uh, at this point i'm still i'm still hoping for well, um at least sec just stands strong um and but are they gonna are they going to want to be the ones that they're, they're the only ones just hanging out there playing i don't know if they're going to want to take that pr I, I think one of the craziest things that happened today was uh right after it was announced i guess fake announced that uh Big 12, the, the Big, Big 10, I mean. That the Big 10 was done. Uh, you had Ohio State, uh, like their athletics account, 
was uh, saying re- retweeting all the Ohio State players that were saying like we want a season, we're working hard, right? So like basically completely going against yeah uh, the Big Ten's their own quote unquote decision, right? Then then Scott Frost has been the most vocal today from yeah, Nebraska. That was awesome. So saying, hey, look, we're ready to play wherever we mm-hmm. need to go play. Basically, like, okay, if y'all want to say the Big Ten's not playing, then we're going to go find somewhere to play. Right. And I'm not the biggest Jim Harbaugh fan. Yeah, but he, he said the same he, thing. He had that big, uh, big long letter that he wrote today. Right. Uh, and just basically said everything that we were all thinking. I think at the end of the day, I don't know what's going to happen for this season, to tell you the truth. I don't know if we're going to play or mm-hmm. not. But what I think is going to happen on a positive note is you're going this is just starting the process of the power five breaking away from the ncaa altogether um and starting their own league nobody's stepping up and saying this is what you need to do this is what you can't do they're leaving the ncaa has completely got their hands up and they're leaving it all up to the universities the 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 commissioners of the conferences to do whatever y'all want to do and we we're out of it yeah and i i I think that that's going to it's basically accelerating the process of the power five, just breaking off and saying, okay, we're going to go do our mm-hmm. own thing. NCAA, you don't want to make a decision on the NIL stuff. We'll make that decision for you. We're going to do it because we're not a part of you guys anymore. And we're going to schedule all power five games. We're not going to do anything other than that. Um, it's going to make your schedules so much better. Yeah. And like more, more competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have better rules in place for the, for the students as far as the NIL stuff, for sure. At this point, the, the LSU, for instance, they're at such a higher level than a group of five football team as far as, like, revenue coming in, stuff like that. They can do this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas another school, a smaller school can't. Well, this is where you separate the men from the boys, and that's – I think this is what that's going to – this is all happening, and it's a terrible thing that we may not have college football, but – it's going to accelerate that process to where this never happens again. I think there's a little issue with like nostalgia going on with uh, some people that don't want us to break away, like the power five to break away because they love like an LSU two lane matchup or something for some dumb reason. They love watching LSU pound ULM by 40 points you know, every couple of years. Well, and I think it's going to hurt the smaller schools. So sure I, it will, absolutely. I, I think they're going to have to figure it out because the, the power five is just going it, to, it's just a different place, but they're, they've been relying on power fives playing them um, and getting, getting money to come, to come play them for years. I mean, that's just, it helps their budgets and all that kind of stuff. I just don't know how, I don't know how that's feasible anymore with this situation that we got going on. Yeah. I mean, this year alone is just an example where if we're going to play conference only, then, what happens to UTSA this year? How much? How much money were they planning on getting? I think it was like two or three million they were planning on getting yeah, to come to LSU. Like that. It was a big so, number. I mean, when when these teams rely on that kind of stuff for their budgets and paying all these other sports they have, they're going to have some serious changes to make. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of my thoughts on all college football. But guys, we have a fantastic guest on the Courtesy Automotive Hotline today. Uh, we have Coach John Brady, former LSU basketball coach John Brady, uh, also uh, the color announcer for LSU basketball now with Chris Blair. Um, great, great guy. We wanted to bring him on the podcast and talk a little. We'll talk a little bit about college football because it's it's just such a hot topic today. But we're going to get into a lot of LSU basketball as well and his years at LSU 
Uh, really wanted to touch on that kind of stuff. Um, before we do that, big, big shout out to Courtesy Automotive Group, Courtesy Buick GMC in Lafayette. Brandon Lejeune is just rolling out. Uh, he's got 2020 deals like crazy, but he's got new 2021 Denali's coming in and he's been posting some of them. And when he posts them, they, it goes viral. Like people are sharing them like crazy. He posted one that had crazy rims on it. Marcus Spears reached out to him wants to wants to buy the buy the Denali from that he posted on Facebook. No oh, lie. Shit. Yeah. Oh, Marcus awesome. Spears reached out to him on Instagram and said, he Hey, the, he, he listens to our podcast. We'll get Marcus Spears on Brandon. We need to get Marcus Spears on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll call his publicist. How about that? Um, so reach out to Brandon. Uh, I'm going to tag all of his information on here. Um, give Brandon a follow on Facebook because he's always going to post the deal. And whenever you post a deal, you have to act really fast. So if you want to get pre-approved for something, why don't you send him a message, give him all your information. He can do it while he's in Lafayette, wherever you are, y'all can figure it out remotely. He can even deliver a car to you, man. It's just fantastic right now. So um, with that said, guys, I think we're going to go straight into our interview. Um, Coach John Brady, and it's going to be a really fun time. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, So here we go. And get ready, Indianapolis. Big Baby and Brady's Bunch are coming to the final four. How's that? We can hear you fine. Can you hear us? Yeah, I got you now. Perfect. All right. You got us good? (laughs) You got us good? All right. Now yeah, we're cooking. We're All right, let's get get comfortable now. This will be well, a uh, this will be a, a short the shortest three hours of your life. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm getting paid too. That's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so all right, so here's the background on us. I'm 41. Um, yes. I was in school in the 90s at LSU. My nephew is Jack over here, and he's 21. So we yeah. have two different perspectives on stuff. I, I was just uh, quizzing him on some research on John Brady just now, and I, I said the name Jabari Smith, and he said, who? And I almost yeah. fell out of my chair, Coach. Will Wade knows Jabari because his son is one yeah. of the top ten players in the country. This that's year. right. That's right. Yeah. He's trying to recruit him now. I mean, that's a done Absolutely. deal, right? Absolutely. There we go. All, right, all we need to do is see him do a behind-the-back dunk, and that will be – we'll seal it there. Against Arizona. Yeah, I remember that vividly. Yes, we're going to talk about that in a second. All right, so first, Coach, we got to talk about a few things. We didn't, when we scheduled you, we didn't know all hell was going to break loose with college football today, okay? I know you have your thoughts on college football, um, the players, and what – you know, they're, they're making their, um, their stance now. What are your thoughts on what's going on right now in the landscape? And do you have any, any thoughts on like what may be happening here, especially with the SEC? Well, it depends on, you got a couple of things going on there. You've got the, uh, how this originated. Uh, one side of it was the black lives matter situation, Mm -hmm. uh, which I support totally. I'm, I'm, I'm against, uh, anything of that nature. Right. I, I cut a video with, with uh, Coach Wade invited me to cut a video with some of the former players and some players that I coached, uh, and I was happy to do that. And then you have 
coupled with that, you have this COVID situation going on, which I think really is the biggest deterrent about playing now, obviously. Right. Uh, and, and I think the balance is, you know, Nick Saban told me a long time ago, he said, John, uh, they say it's not about the money, but it's always about the money. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I think some of the decisions that are, they're making, uh, if they don't play football, the lost revenue uh, that each school will, will, will not create. Uh, and then also I think there's a liability issue, which isn't talked about a lot. Right. Uh, that if, if, a, if, a, if, a, if they do play football and, and God forbid a player, uh, you know, tests positive and then you have a player or two uh, pass away from it, Mm-hmm. Uh, then you're talking about possibly a lawsuit or that school being just just torn apart in the media and criticized and something yeah. they'll have to live with for a long time. So I think a lot of those factors, uh, the money situation, the liability, which is another money situation, mm-hmm. uh, all of those things are going into the thought process. But I do like the way the SEC is taking its time Right. Uh, because you're, you're, you're shooting at a moving target, so to speak. And who knows a month from now, you know, what the numbers will say and, and, and what will indicate. So I think as a coach, particularly a football coach right now, has to be flexible in his approach, uh, has a target date to play, uh, progress toward that. But if the target date changes or moves back, you just ad- adjust your practice schedule and your procedure based on the date that they're going to play. Uh, so I don't think they should eliminate the possibility of playing right now. I think it's still a waiting see, proceed cautiously as we move along. Uh, and then there comes a point in time where they will have to make a definitive decision. But I think the SEC is just is kind of still on a wait and see path with a plan in place. Uh, but as information is gathered, uh, they're going to have to change along the way. That's just the, that's just the times we're in. And, and, you know, players now have really – I think you really have to be uh, flexible as a coach now, really smart as a coach now, uh, because it's getting like uh, professional sports where it's really all about the players now. Right. Uh, I, used to, I used to say the coaching – college coaching game was all about coaches. The pro game was all about the players. Now I think college athletics is mirroring somewhat of the professional game, where it's more about the players now, and the coaches have to be as flexible as an NFL coach or an NBA coach. Right. Uh, And that makes it more challenging and more difficult uh, to change the way it's been, to adapt the way I think that it's headed now. Yeah, and that's – I mean, the liability part, when you said that, that that strikes me more than anything of you knowing – the behind the scenes and when you mentioned Nick Saban that's it brings me to another thing uh, you know your relationship with Nick Saban uh I saw a picture recently with it was an old picture with you and and Saban uh sitting at a press conference together um <laughs> I, it might have been right when he was hired it might have been when he was hired but uh, uh I'm sure there was a lot of um behind the scenes that goes on that of course fans will never know with this conference shuffle and what's going on. Um, it's just crazy that all this coming to a head right now. Um, but I, I, my thoughts were, what about, what about the players? Do you feel like they're in a safe spot as far as going to 
they're they're basically in a quarantine area with with their team, but then they go to class, and mm-hmm. they're still going to be exposed somehow. And they're college kids, obviously, so they they're not just in a bubble like the NBA is. Right? But how, how's that going to be sustainable? And do you feel like they're just going to be if they did play there, there would be kids with cases and they just have to, to deal with it as it comes. Uh, well, if, if you're going to play and have contact as football is going to bring and even basketball, you know, we ain't got to that point yet. You're going to have cases pop up. Uh, you're right. going to have, uh, you're, you're just going to have, it's, 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 it's something you're not going to be immune to and you're going to have to take the criticism for it or, or whatever uh, plan you have in place. Now, Different than when I was coaching, uh, toward the end of my coaching career, uh, internet courses became really popular, and we would have players that would take 12 or 15 hours on the internet and never get up and go to class. So you you can quarantine a little bit like that. Most, most, I would say the majority of the classes now are on the internet where you don't physically uh, go to class, although I'm a proponent of sitting in a classroom, sure. having a relationship with a professor. I Learning think all social skills. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. I think all of that is, is, is positive, uh, particularly if you're a marginal student. I think sometimes if, the, if you get involved with the professor from a personal standpoint, you may get, at the end of the day, a break. Whether it, but if you do all your work over the Internet, you have no relationship and you're just a number. Right. And, and, and sometimes if you need a favor or some extra work, you're not being, a, you're not going to be able to get it because you, the professor doesn't know you and you don't know him or her. So right. I, I think, I think, I think some of that, but in, in terms of the quarantine and, and being by yourself in isolation, internet classes, uh, not going to class, uh, not getting out within the student body, but the problem you're going to have is, is controlling your players at night and what do they do after practice right. is over. You can't babysit them 24-7. You're going to have to sell them on the fact of being much more responsible than they normally would be uh, in, in a, just a, a regular environment. Right. I mean, it, it basically, you have to follow the NBA's lead at this point, right? Like, as much as you can. I mean, I know college football is completely different, but NFL, NFL, I, I almost feel like they're going to have to take the NBA model where it's you basically the team is in a bubble and yeah, you'll have to travel to another, another place, but you don't leave. Like um, I, it's hard to, it's hard to of course enforce that, but they get paid obviously, whereas college kids don't. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the NBA, they're isolating in Orlando and in the bubble. They call it the bubble or whatever they, right. they describe it as. And, you know, college athletics isn't going to be able to do that. Uh, no. They could localize the travel. You travel on a bus more than you do when you fly. Uh, but still, when you fly, you're on a charter flight. You're kind of contained, self-contained within the people that are on that flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can control that to a degree. Uh, hotels on the road, you really are going to have to – uh, you know, control the players. You eat in a in a in a uh, conference room, a private room. You have catered meals, and you can control it to a degree uh, in that regard. So, uh, constant testing. And, you know, I, I, constant testing. I, I think they're going to probably is what I heard. The testing. They're like three times a week kind of testing. Yeah. Um, I, well, you know, basketball is working out now a little bit on the LSU campus, and and uh, you know, and, and individually, and in. A, you know, groups of two or three possibly, and coaches are wearing masks when they do work the players out, and they are testing the players before and after, and they come in with a temperature gauge and all of those types of things that they're right. doing. 
but still, I think as careful as you, you are in the, the plans that you have in place to make it a, a, a strict, safe environment, you're still going to have cases pop up and you're yeah. going to have to react and control and have a plan for that as well. And, and uh, you know, the, one of the issues is if when you're in season, particularly football, you know, if you have several of your starters are, are, are yeah. you know, test and you have to quarantine them, you're going to be playing with maybe some, some, some substitute players, second or third team guys. And uh, maybe the quality of the game may not be as good right. uh, because of that, but we'll just have to wait and see. But if they're going to decide to play, they're going to have to be able to deal with positive cases that come up. Uh, and then you just have to pray and, and, and hope that uh, nothing tragic comes of the situation because of, of a player testing positive. And then uh, that's yeah. another issue from the liability uh, curve that, that I see. Yeah, then so to take it a step farther, if they don't play football, the revenue that they're going to lose, how do they pay coaches, personnel within the athletic department? Do they borrow right. money off of next year's uh, TV uh, uh, money they anticipate coming in next year if this thing calms down and, 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 yeah. and the SEC contribute then dollars to schools that need it to meet a budget of contracted coaches and, and people that work within the athletic department. That's another issue uh, that some schools now are already feeling if they don't have the projected revenue that they want to receive from football right. uh, this fall. So that's another issue about the money, both ends. It's the money, the liability issue is a money in terms uh -huh. of maybe getting sued. And the other end is the money you're going to lose if you don't play football. So it's a tough situation to be in uh, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, what each conference decides to do. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of brought us down a little bit today with all this talk. So, yeah. yeah. And I know that I think one of the things they were talking about I mean, like you said, they're looking at all this right now. And one of the things they were already looking at were insurance policies, uh, because I know it's, it's a huge, I mean, I think Hannah Griff even said it on the, on this, on his show today, you're talking like football generated $80 million last year. Right. So, right. and I think uh, 25 to 30 of it, I think is what it was, was ticket sales alone. So I think we're already past the point where fans aren't going to be attending any games. So we're just wanting to see football at this point, but yeah, it's a complete money deal. And I completely agree with you, but we'll switch gears a little bit to some positive stuff. And to me, right. one of the most positive things that we have going on is we're big. We're we're huge LSU basketball fans. So, um, the roster right now has got us so excited, um, and the direction that Will Wade has it has got us so excited. And one of the the best things that I was thinking about with with talking to you, Coach, because I've I experienced all the years with you. Um, <laughs> I have never, ever, ever seen John Brady have thirteen scholarship guys who could play on the floor. Never have I seen you do that. Well, I, you're right. And I don't know if Dale Brown ever had 13. I, he, and, and, I, I was trying to remember the last time we've had this much depth. Yeah. I mean, that, and, and you know, one thing about Will Wade, not that I'm dropping names or, or, or saying anything. But we love that, I played, though. I, I played golf with Will Saturday. And, uh, okay. Uh, you know, he's upbeat about the whole thing. And, and he, he, he's a good golfer, but he, he, I, I, we would kid him if he'd make a putt. We'd say, don't make too many of those. Or you'll be in the NIT next year, <laughs> not the NCAA. So he, 
he makes sure he miss a few. So he's an NCAA coach, not an NIT coach. Yeah, I got you. You know, he, he doesn't back off of expectation either. I mean, he, he, he said it himself. We've got good players. We're going to have a good team. Uh, his biggest issue is putting the right players on the floor at the right time uh, in the right situation and mm -hmm. getting them to play together and building team chemistry and camaraderie. Uh, he does have a returning, you know, group that are really good, smart. Watford and Days coming back was huge yep. for what they really want to do and the level they're going to be able to compete at. Uh, and then the, the players that he signed, the players he had sitting out, uh, he, he'll tell you they're all good players and we have a really good team. So uh, it, it's a shame that we can't start the season uh, – knowing the fans are going to be there and let right. Tiger fans participate in what this team I think can be about and how exciting uh, and watch it develop along the way because he's got good players in place. And one thing Will Wade has done, he has recruited extremely well since he's Absolutely. been there. And yeah. uh, he, he handles and manages talented players really well. And, and not only do you have to recruit them, you've got to be able to coach them and, and bring them together as a, a, as a workable unit and he's been able to do that his first three years there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, one of the things that strikes me with Will Wade as, you know, and it's nothing against you and Dale Brown or anybody else, but he has just been able to galvanize <laughs> support for him. I mean, I, everybody, everybody that I talk to is super loyal for Will Wade. Um, well, look, 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 I got my own thoughts about that. You know, I can't even following Dale Brown. Dale Brown was there 25 years. Absolutely. I didn't care. If they'd have brought, if they'd have, as, as Joe Dean said, if they had resurrected Adolph Rupp and he came into LSU at that particular time, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was Dale Brown falling 25 years. That's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, now, Will Wade did come in in a situation where everybody was ready to get behind a new I agree. Coach. I agree. I mean, the, 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 it was set up for him to do well. And not only was he personable, and, the, and his opening press conference was really successful. Mm -hmm. He followed that up, taking a team at Hatton one and putting them on the floor and, and did a nice job, a really good job his first year. And I think right. with recruiting to back it up, uh, the, the, he hit a perfect storm with our fans united wanting to support someone. Right. Uh, and he capitalized on that and he's kept it going with the way he's recruited. Absolutely. And it, well, so with that, all right, so now he's got a roster in place. Thir right. Potentially 13 guys that could actually see the floor. Maybe it's 12, maybe, maybe it's 11, something like that. Yeah. I finally feel like he's got a roster in place to where he can play his style a little bit better than what he has been playing. Um, he's a little upbeat. I mean, he's a little fast, you know, up and down a little bit. But I think defensively, I think this is finally the team that he needed to have with the depth to where he could play a little bit more aggressive on the defensive side. Do you agree with that or no? Well, one thing his teams, the characteristic of his first three teams, they've all been able to score baskets. Right. Uh, you know, we average 82, 83 points a game, and that's plenty of points. And, yep. and I think he thinks the same way. Defensively, he just needs to be a, a little better. Probably – uh, they're, they're really good at times, but more consistent, you know, to defend every night as, as, as for extended periods of time as long as they possibly can. Defending well without fouling, and then when you make them miss it, go rebound it. And, and uh, his team has rebounded pretty well, actually. Yes. Uh, 
And, and, but, but, but just defending, particularly from the three-point line, uh, they haven't been really as good guarding the, the, the arc as, as some other teams. So I think that's something he's going to put emphasis on. He's got the length. He's got yeah. experience. He's got athleticism. He, he's, he can go big. He can go small. They got a couple of seven-footers coming in. Mm-hmm. He's really high on this guy, Cam Thomas, from the prep school up at yeah. Oak Hill. He thinks he's an outstanding player. And, and, you know, the guy that I really liked last year before he got injured there toward the end was Charles Manning, and nobody oh, mentions goodness. him anymore. He's I know. Everybody forgets about him. about him. I mean, a defensive – I mean, that's going to that's gonna help your three-point percentage uh, against right there. I mean, he what yeah. was that game he blocked two in a row – to, to win the yeah. game. I forget which game it was, but I can't remember. Yeah, it's, that's a guy who's got crazy hops and length. But I'm thinking, too, like the press is going to be a little bit more uh, involved this year, wouldn't you say? Like that diamond press, I love it. I love when he does it, but it's almost like he pulls it out when he needs to pull it out. And I always felt like it was because he didn't have the depth. But now he's got it to where – and he's got length. I mean, couldn't you see a guy like Charles Manning at the front of that? with that kind of length and ability, just kind of being a nuisance on the defensive side? Uh, well, well, there's no question. And then, you know, then you got Jalen Cook, the transfer from Georgetown, yeah. this local kid who's in there. He's oh, well, LeBlanc, LeBlanc, then, yeah. Yeah, then you got then you got Days, you got Watt, you got Smart who can play up there on a the wing. He's quick and he's got some length too and he's yep. experienced. So there, there's a lot of things that he can do. And, and I think sometimes pressing – maybe not for 40 minutes, but the timing of the press when you put it on someone. And then yeah. I think I think to extend it three-quarter or full court as he did some last year, and it was effective. And I think also it's going to help his half court 1-3-1 one, one with the mm-hmm. length they're going to have there and the depth they're going to have there too. So, uh, and, and I think Will may go to some type of matchup zone uh, where you kind of match up with the man in your area, the other team kind of yeah. plays zone, and, and you, you kind of disguise – man-to-man coupled with zone defense, uh, which I think will give some teams some problems because of the length and the quickness and the recovery that length allows you to have as a defender. Right. You know, if if you've got short arms and you recover, it's not like having a seven-foot wingspan and you close out on 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 an offensive player (laughs) with length, you know. So, you know, those are things you recruit. You don't coach length. You don't coach athleticism. (laughs) You don't coach speed and quickness. You recruit that. Right. And, and, and he's been able to do that. Now he's got a collection of, as you say, you know, 11 or 12 deep, and they can all uh, do some things on the floor that can lend itself to LSU having an outstanding team. Like, we may have been 11 and 12 deep on some years, but then there was – I mean, <laughs> I, I would say the, the, the 9, 10, 11, and 12 guy isn't going to see the court. Right? Well, you know, a couple <laughs> times my, my, my 11, 12 guy was, was – Jack Warner and, and Brandon Landry. That's you know, right. Not, you know, you know, so some of the some of the most uh yeah. The most uh That's why they walked on, you know. That's why they, there's a reason it's named walk ons. But mm-hmm. but but there there's also as a coach, you know, I never was comfortable playing more than eight guys, maybe eight and a half guys. That was probably my, my ticket. I wasn't smart enough to substitute and do those type of things. I I I had about eight guys I relied on, and, and those are the guys, a, a backup point, a backup wing, and a backup four or five. So that gave me eight deep right there. So uh, I was – but Will's, Will's much more flexible with changing lineups, uh, substituting yeah. players, getting everybody meaningful minutes at the right time. He's much better at that than I was. I, I, he he, he, he kind of has that type of personality. I was a little more rigid in my thinking. 
Uh, he's a little more wild. Rigid. I would never have considered you rigid, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was kind of rigid, I think. But, you know, <laughs> hey, you got to coach to what you're comfortable with and your personality. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and sometimes it maybe rubs someone the wrong way. Will's a little more looser than that, uh, than I was. But I think it's a sign of the times, too. And I think as a, as a young coach, you know, I'm a 65-year-old guy. He's a 38, 39-year-old guy. So there's a lot of years in there in between. And, yeah. and, 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 and my approach on the radio has never been to say this is the right way or the wrong way. Right. There's a lot of different ways to coach any sport, whether it's football, basketball, or whatever. And I think the coach needs to coach his personality, get his personality into the team on a consistent basis. That's what Will's been able to do, and I think that's why you've seen the team improve as the year goes along because he's consistent with his approach and how he's teaching it. Yeah, and the, the analytics involved now. I mean, I, was, was, it that, was that like that for you guys as far as all the little things that he records and he looks at? I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, I, I was never like that. I was more of an off-the-cuff sort of field guy. I, I studied yeah. the stats and, and – and, you know, as I, as I talk on the radio with Chris Blair, you know, my big stat is the field goal stat. I think everything comes off of that. If you win the field goal stat, most of the time you can win the game. Now, if you right. lose the field goal stat, you better defend well, make them miss. You better get to the foul line. You better not turn it over. But if you shoot a high field goal percentage, it can cover a multitude of other things that you don't do well because you're still scoring baskets. Right. It's when you don't shoot it well, you can't score it. You better turn them over, get easy baskets. You better get fouled, get to the foul line. You better find other ways to score it if you can't win the field goal stat. And I think in Will's three years, I, th I don't know if he's won only two or three games where he has lost the field goal stat. So that, that, that indicates to me on the defensive end, if they get a little bit better mm -hmm. and they can win games and not win the field goal stat, that means you're doing a lot of other little things well and if his, this team does that, wow, you know, they could be, you know, sweet 16, lead eight, and who knows? You get yeah. luckier, too. Depends on did. your draw at that point, right? You, that's yeah. right. You can roll into the final four and then do something really special. Man, we're super excited. And uh, I, we, one of our good uh, friends for the podcast is a good friend of yours. It's Jordy Collada. Um, and we, we, <laughs> Jordy said, uh, he said, man, I can't, I can't wait for you to talk to, to Coach. But um, – we, we actually gave him his shirt that he has on his studio, the Don't Be a Dick, uh, Dick Vitale shirt. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but that was us. We made that shirt. So we have to ask you, what are your thoughts on Dick Vitale? You know, Dick was always good to me, but I, I, just, I, I just can't – I don't know if he's trying to be keep himself uh, involved or, or relevant or whatever the case may be. And – and, and I would hate to think that Dick Vitale's got a vendetta against LSU or Will Wade. You know, right. I would hope not. And, and, and the, 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 the thing that he brought up about Dale Brown and Dick Vitale's relationship, I don't know anything about that. Uh, I would hate if that is true. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, my approach, I was never upset or mad at LSU for anything that happened to me there, good or bad. Uh, you right. know, if I – I chose to be the head coach at LSU. Joe Dean wanted me to be the coach. I entered that situation. And when you enter it at that level, you understand anything can happen, good and bad. 
Right. And so you just, you, you, but, but I've I always appreciated the opportunity Joe Dean gave me to show what I could do at that level. And I stand on those 11 years and I stand on the team. I left the team. I left did win the league. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like, it wasn't like we had bad players and the, and the, and the team wasn't any good. So, uh, but, but I, I'm not bitter at all, and, and I would hope Dale Brown would be for everything that, that Will Wade and LSU is doing in a positive way and try to help that. Because uh, he did have a 25-year career there, and LSU, the last four seasons, stood with him uh, in yeah. terms of when the team wasn't as good as we all wanted it to be. So, yeah. uh, but Dick Vitale, I don't, I don't talk to Dick Vitale like that. I don't, I don't you know, he, he, he was good to me in my time there. Uh, but I never – I don't have a relationship with him, and I would hope that he wants the best for LSU, regardless of who the coach is. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that he would come out and, and say things that he, he doesn't know for sure directed at Will Wade's program. And, and look, Will Wade personally, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've always said this. When I sat in that chair 11 years or so or whatever it was, if you recorded every conversation I had with some Yahoo – uh, AAU guy, yeah. it'd be a comic book strip. I mean, it, it would be hilarious. Say, no, he didn't say that. Yeah, I did. I said a lot of stupid things. And, and <laughs> it is a conversation, a violation. That's all what I've, I've always said. Yeah. Um, and so I, I had a lot of crazy conversations in my time. There were a lot of goofballs on the other end. So, you know, you, 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 you I, so I don't put any stock into that unless the NCAA blows in there and does something really ridiculous. Otherwise, it's a mute point with me. Yeah. Concentrate on this team, the recruiting he's been able to do, mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 what this team can possibly become with the support of the fans. Yep. That's what I'm looking forward to. And, and, and Will Wade has been really good to John Brady now. I have to tell you that. He, he is really good to me. Well, y'all playing has, golf. Where, where are y'all playing golf at? I think we need to do a foursome is what yeah. it needs to happen. Well, look, I got him on my team. Now. He, can, he can hit it a little bit. He can't, we, well, we, he, went out to, we went over to the Bluffs and played. It's not as okay. good shape as it used to be, but it's yep. still a great, great layout. I got some I mean, friends that live on the course on uh, hole number four. It, it, that's the worst hole in the world to me, hole number four. You got to hit it uphill. It's a par three. <laughs> What, yeah, it's a yards. Tough. I yeah. got a bad back, Coach. I can't get it up there, man. Yeah, I don't want you on my team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't want me on his team. Well, let's go. Let's go back to your your years at LSU, Coach. Because right. I feel like you came into like, <laughs> I mean, a pit at LSU where you had to build it from ground up. Um, you brought players in. I remember that first year. You brought players in for JUCO. You brought a whole bunch of guys in, and that. That was, to me, such a fun team because it felt like they were finally getting their shot on a good stage. Um, but bring us back to those early years for you. Well, I, I think people kind of forget. It, you know, if it happened in today's world, what happened to that team? I mean, four straight losing seasons for one we came in on. The second thing is they took nine scholarships away from us, three yep. scholarships a year the first three years. Back then, you could have 12 official visits. The first three years, they only allowed us six official visits. So they took away 18 official visits from us. Uh, they limited our recruiting days. I mean, it was, it, was, it was close to just, you know, a death penalty, actually. And in and, and that, that 2000 year, we won the league with nine scholarship players was yep. all we, we were allowed to have. So 
it wasn't, you know, and then, then, the, then the restrictions hit us even worse in the fourth year. You know, that's when it hurts you is you weren't, you're not able to recruit mm-hmm. uh, as you, you, you're, you normally could. So we lose nine scholarships over a three year period. And for basketball, that's a lot, you know, yeah. percentage wise with football, it'd be about 17 or 18 over a three year period. And that'd be devastating to a football program. So right. it was a, uh, but it was, it was, that's one reason I got the job. I mean, you know, let's, let's be honest. I mean, you know, it wasn't like when, when the job came open, nobody in Baton Rouge was holding up higher John Brady. Sanders. I was that's at the right. game where y'all beat us. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's right. Sanford came in there. We did play pretty well. Yeah, Jonathan they, Pixley, they took it to us. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Jonathan Pixley was really good that night. I don't know if y'all know Jonathan there though, but uh, Pixley. Uh, he was Pixley. shooting a lot of threes, wasn't he? Yeah. He shot threes from Baton Rouge, played at Catholic, uh, think, uh, you know, coaching. He coached me one spring, actually. At Catholic yeah. High? Uh, not at Catholic. I went to a like just a spring camp, and he coached me. Okay, so he was coaching him there. Awesome. Yeah, he's at he's at Dunham over there coaching. You know, won the state championship, but he's he's a good guy. But you know, it was tough. But we that, the first team. Lee Fineswag tells me the whole time that that first year's team he saw us was the best coach team uh, that I had oh, in my yeah. opinion. I loved there. it. Yeah. Well, we, 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 we tried to def- if we didn't try to defend and rebound, we had no chance. So we, we tried to play a little patient offensively, not put as much shots up in the air so the other team uh, couldn't shoot a lot. Um, so we, we had less attempts at the goal. We played a little more deliberate. We tried to guard well, give, limit teams to one shot, uh, and make them guard us as opposed to us guarding them for extended periods of time. And, and we kind of played pretty well, actually. And then, right. then we signed Stromile Swift, and then we oh, got man. Jabari. Everything changed, got yeah. Jabari, it changed it. I mean, you know, Stromile changed it forever for all of us. And, yep. uh, then, then we hit a vein there, really, where we were able to get local players. You know, Baton Rouge turned out some really mm-hmm. good players in about Park six View. years. Parkview, for sure. I remember that. Park that View. was uh, uh, that Garrett Temple. Uh, am I right? No, no, no. Garrett was at U High. Yeah, who were those? It was like three or four of them all from Parkview one year, and it was like they won the state championship. Um, Jermaine Williams was Jermaine on that Williams, team. Marcus yep. Ledoux was on that team. Marcus he Ledoux. And he transferred because we – you know, he wanted to go somewhere else and play more because we started getting some good players. But, you know, you take that Final Four team in 06 – Yep. And our top our top six players right there in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge, and, and right. Baton Rouge Denham Springs, and St. Martinville. And, you know, Darnell Lazar came off the bench that year. He's from Woodlawn. Woodlawn, and then you right. Had, you had Glenn and, and you know, Tyrus Thomas and, and, and Garrett Temple and Daryl Mitchell and Taswin Mitchell, all those guys from right there, Glenn Davis, all those yep. guys from right there. And and we were able to get those guys. And, and I think that's what that, – that team in 06 – with the top six players, four from Baton Rouge, one from St. Martinville, one from Denham Springs. I don't know if that will ever be duplicated again. I hope they go to the Final Four and win it, but I don't know if they're going to ever do it with a collection of players that were right. homegrown within 50 miles of Baton Rouge and, and win the SEC outright and go to the Final Four. That was a special group. That was a sticks. very special connection that everybody had, especially with the team, but then the team had with LSU, it felt like, and it was just like we're doing it for Baton Rouge. And wasn't just, you know, uh, yeah, like you said, it's not a guy from, you know, Massachusetts coming in here and playing a year or anything like that. No, it's a guy from McKinley, you know. Yeah, um, that, right. means a, that means a lot to Baton Rouge. And Baton Rouge is very big on their home guys, you know. And I, I think you know that. That's why you're back here again, right? Like, it's yeah. something well, about I, Baton Rouge for a lot of people. 
Well, I love it. You know, I, I, uh, I you know, I like doing what I'm doing. I'm in a good place. Yeah. Uh, people coming back to Baton Rouge and, and being involved with the team and my, in, in the way that I am with Chris Blair, who's, who's, who's outstanding. Fantastic. By the way. And, yeah. And I'm a and, big Jim Hawthorne lover. And just because of the era that I grew up in, it feels like every era has got their announcer. Like my That's dad's right. got John Ferguson. I got Jim Hawthorne. <laughs> you probably got Chris Blair now. I mean, it's just who yeah. we're familiar with, but yeah, Chris is fantastic and stepped into uh, like you, like it's almost he like you had Dale Brown. Yeah. He followed yeah. Jim Hawthorne for crying out. We yeah. just had Jim Hawthorne on our other podcast, but um, and Chris Blair has done a great job with that and just taking it, taking it by the wings. So yeah, you got a great partner. He has, and and the people have been really kind to me coming back there. I mean, it's been really good, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm appreciative of of the athletic department and and Will Wade in particular, and Chris Blair allowing me to do what I'm doing with the with the basketball, and and uh, you know, I'm the I'm the Joe Dean to John Ferguson guy, you know, string <laughs> music you. man. So, I hear you. <laughs> but it's been fun, and I enjoy it. And, and uh, it's too bad this year that that the fans can't jump on this team yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, maybe you feel like can, that's going to, you feel like that's going to be paused. You, you believe just cause it's indoors and all that. Right. Well, I, I, I hope, I hope, uh, I, I can't see them just letting it sell out and everybody sitting by each other. Maybe they spread it out and everybody within four or five seats of one another and you have to wear a mask. Maybe it'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but it would be, a, it would be a great thing to be able for tiger fans to watch what this team can become. Yeah. Uh, during the course of, of 30 games or so. No, I completely agree with that. Now, all right, so let's talk about some of your we'll, – we'll, we'll start with Tyrus Thomas because we had a couple of questions from, uh, from some of our fans about uh, what we were going to ask you. And one of, the, one of the questions, and I heard this a couple of times from two different people, why did you redshirt Tyrus Thomas? <laughs> well, I have to go back to what Hot we topic, had apparently. Hot topic. Well, I'd have to go back on that team. Uh, you know, we had Glenn Davis there. You had Brandon Bass there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who. I'd have to look at the roster. There was a reason for that. And the other reason was – Did you have Dupree team. still there? Ron Dupree was, was hanging around his senior year. And, yeah. and, you know, we had some good guys there. And, and, and But you, you got to go back. Tyrus Thomas coming out of high school was, was, was six seven, a little over six seven. He was long. He was really thin. Uh, he was athletic, uh, but but I di we didn't think he was quite ready, and I didn't want him to waste a year of playing five or six minutes a game. You know, I, yeah. I kind of because we had success with with, with Collis the third being redshirted. We had success with Garrett being redshirted. Yeah. Uh, and 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 since. And I think it's easier for a guy to redshirt if he's local like that. He can still, yeah, he's still you know, there, have right. around, yeah, as opposed to being isolated by himself. That's so it kind of worked out. And, and we talked him into it and had the support of his family. And then John Trelaw used to work Tyrus out every morning, 6.30, 7 o'clock for an hour and a half or so before school. And, and Tyrus went from six, a little over 6.7 to, to right under 6.9 six, nine, and gained right. 20 pounds in a year. And, and you know his his red shirt freshman year, if you recall, he didn't start the first seven games. Right. We right. started Darnell Lazar in his place, and then it just became obvious. We were in Vegas, and we were about to play Cincinnati, and it was obvious that, that Tyrus deserved to start. And so I called Darnell in, and we called his parents and told him we were going to make a change in the lineup. 
uh, I wanted to make sure he was involved and understood it. And, and, and Darnell was great about it. We started Tyrus then, and then all of a sudden we started getting pretty good. And, and then, yeah. then we played, we played Connecticut. I think they were top two or three in the country. Yeah. It was on CBS. It was on CBS and it was like at a coming out party almost. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. And he was unbelievable. And, and Daryl Mitchell missed a shot. The only shot Daryl yep. Mitchell missed that year at the buzzer <laughs> to win the game. Right. And, and, and so, from that point on, our team started gelling. We started playing really well, and then boom, uh, you know, we, we that that weekend in Atlanta was a special weekend. Is as, as one yep. of the one of the top weekends LSU's ever had in basketball, in my opinion. To be oh, number it was, one in number five Texas, and it was amazing. Hours. And before before we bring you on the interview, we 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 have a little clip that we're going to put on the podcast, and it's about. Um, you know, Dick Enberg making the call of LSU going to the Final Four and all that. So it it was a great moment for LSU basketball, and yeah. especially because of the guys that were there. And I'll, one thing with Tyrus Thomas, I'll never forget. There is a picture that I have to find somewhere, and I think it was from the Advocate or something. And I think it was from there was two pictures probably. It was from that. It was an Alabama game at home, and there was an alley oop, and they they called him full extension. Um over the goal his head is right at the rim and he's got it fully extended or something like that I forget the, the the exact picture but it was such an amazing picture but that was just kind of the the athletic ability it just popped and it was like where did this come from yeah he he was I I, I tell everybody I taught him how to jump but everybody knows that's not true but, uh, <laughs> he, well and I, I love I still see tires now he and I've been to yeah he's still around times. yeah yeah he comes around comes to games and he He's he, he's back in school, wanting to get his degree, wants to get that's into great. high school and that sort of thing. So he, he's married, has a has a baby now uh, in the last year, and, and uh, so he's done really well. I'm proud of him, and and I, I always got along with Tyrus really well. He and I got along really well, and and uh, I, I'm I, it, it's great to come back and see him at games, and yeah, and you know have a relationship with him after all this is said and done. That's that's the best thing about. It. Well, and I just I it, when when a guy like there is only there for a short amount of time, he becomes like a phenomenon, and that's what I feel like Tyrus Thomas is. It's just one of those guys who's just like, where, wow, look at all the potential this guy has. But it all worked out because he got drafted where he was drafted. I mean, like everything everything did great for him. But um, tell us about some of your other favorite players at LSU since you during your time there. Who who are some other guys that come to mind? Well, certainly Stroh-Miles Swift was, was the one that broke it open for us. And, yep. and then, um, uh, you know, Jabari Smith was on that team, Lamont Rowland, Taurus Bright, Lamont all those guys. Rowland. Lamont Rowland, if he doesn't hurt himself against oh. Tennessee, Coach. Oh, it's killing yeah. you now. I can see it in your face. Well, that, that was – you know, we were down to about seven scholarship players that, yep. that year after us. Stroh-Miles went pro early and, and Jabari graduated and – and, and, and I'll tell you another tough-minded guy on that, on that played for me a couple of years there was Brian Bashir. I don't know if y'all remember Yes, Brian. I remember Brian Bashir. He was another tough-minded Two threes from the corner. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, but he was good. But guys like, you know, Daryl Mitchell was special uh, with, with, with his career at LSU, four-year starter. Tasman Mitchell was special. Both yep. the Temple – both the Temple guys were, were, were excellent Great for me. Guys. Yeah. High-character guys. Brandon Bass was super uh, hard – maybe as hard a working guys we've ever had. Ronald Dupree was, was a high character guy. Uh, you know, you could, and then that final four team with Darnell Lazar and, 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 yeah. you know, Glenn, they, those guys all got along so well, just special, 
special guys. And here, and there's another guy that people don't talk about a lot was Antonio Hudson from at Grambling yeah. up there in North. He, he was a really solid player for us and, and really a good guy and, and uh, done well coaching now. And, and uh, you know, a lot of those guys, particularly the, 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 the local guys that we had were really, really special. And, 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 and it's like Will shared with me that the, the time that I was there, a lot of our guys that, that, that we recruited and coached, they come back to LSU. They're around yeah. all the time. They, they're, they're part of the program. And Will has mentioned that to me a couple of times that, you know, them guys that you coach, they have a love for LSU and, and that's good. And I'm glad they do uh, because that's the way it ought to be. Well, one of the guys you mentioned, uh, I have a, I have a story that it's, it's, it's kind of like a rumor, and I'm not sure if it was really true, but you would know it's true. Uh, Taurus Bright. In right. high school, there is a story, and I remember how he used to do this. Sometimes he would just – he would pull his mouthpiece out of his mouth and then call the, uh, call the play with his other hand, and the ball is still dribbling, and then he just – and the guy's on him. Well, there was a story that I heard, and I think they were playing Woodlawn, if I remember right, because I know the guy who told me the story, but – in the in the game, he took his mouthpiece out and he was jawing with the other guy, and he ended up just slugging the other guy, knocking him out. Did that happen? Well, I I don't know that story, but uh, it made him Torres, like larger than life for me. So, Torres Bright, Torres Bright was a tough-minded competitor. I love Torres Bright, coach. Loved to play. I started him from day one. Yeah, yeah, uh, he was big time, two. man. Yeah, he, he played – he started every single game except one. Uh, I don't know if he's a sophomore, junior year. We played in New Orleans and played at the Sugar Bowl tournament when they had it down there. And and uh, we had a little curfew, like maybe 11 o'clock, and we couldn't locate him to about 2 in the morning. So uh, I kind of was a tough guy. I didn't, I didn't start him that day and held him out for 10 minutes and then put him in the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I was really tough. tough yeah, you're real yeah. hard on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you I only was, had five yeah. guys to play, so you had to play. Yeah, right. um, all right. So, well, I got a couple other questions from some other fans, and we'll get you out of here, coach. And I know one of the questions was, and the, the, I, I don't know any, I don't know, I don't know why they're even asking me these questions, but they're asking me. Uh, your relationship with Josh Maravich, did you not like Josh Maravich? No, I, I tell you, let me tell you what I did when I came. I don't back, know anything about this. So I'm just throwing it out there. Well, Josh Mayer, I talk to Josh all the time now. Uh, okay. I, I went over when I came back to town. I drove over to Covington, sat down with him and his mother, uh, and we both made some mistakes in our relationship. We really okay. did, and and I'll admit to that. And and uh, <laughs> but now we're good. I went over and sat down and had a two hour visit with them in their home, and and uh, you know Josh and I have a we're, we're good. And all uh, right, I Roy, Ed him, Roy Edwards, that's for you, Roy Edwards. Roy Edwards wanted to know that question. The other question was your relationship with Tack Minor. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Do we have I, enough time for that? Tack, Tack and I had an up and down relationship. And <laughs> you, when, when, when Tack was right, he was really good, but he just had so many other issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that went on with him. Uh, nothing terribly bad. Uh, he wasn't like he was a, a, a anything like you know not wasn't on. He was always on time. He just. School wasn't his thing, and he, yeah. he, he couldn't keep his eye on his own paper sometimes. And, you know, <laughs> we, we had some issues there. And he, he was just an emotional point guard, you know, too, too emotional to play that position, really. And, uh, 
but, but but like you said, when he was right, ain't nobody gonna guard that guy. He was good. It's Nobody's so gonna to guard him. It it happens, you know, and and you know, Butch Pierre signed him, so I'm gonna put that one on Butch. That's so, on uh, Butch. All right, we're gonna get Butch on. <laughs> All right, well, but we're gonna. You know, Tax in Houston now he's doing well, and so and, and you know I, I still have talked to him. You know, when we went over to play Houston, I saw Tax, so we're you know we're we're, we're fine. But you know, it happens <laughs> in coaching sometimes. You're gonna have some good ones, and you're gonna have some guys that maybe don't work out. Well, I got all the tough ones out of the way, coach. So, all right, we're gonna we're gonna try to we're gonna try to hook up with Will Wade, or we're gonna do a foursome sometime. So we're gonna get Will on the on the podcast too eventually. But right yeah, I gotta get my back right though. That's it's not gonna happen until that happens. We're not playing at the bluffs for sure, especially that that par five where you can go two different ways. Uh, you just aim, you up, aim for the middle. Down. You aim for the middle, and you just figure it out from there. <laughs> Well, you know the course well. You know I do it. I, I can guide you around pretty well. I, you just don't want me playing with you. Yeah, well, I got Will on my team. We'll play you and whoever else you want to play. Well, All right. What, uh, what, what does Will Wade usually shoot? What's his – yeah, what's his handicap, Will Wade? You know, Will can, Will can throw a low 80 on you. He can throw an 81, 82 at you. He can really nice. drive it off the tee. He's really good off the box. I mean, okay. he can hit it a ton. Okay. Uh, and 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 if he makes a couple of putts along the way, you know he he's a he's a he's a between an eighty and eighty three guy I think on a consistent basis. What about you, Coach? I probably about eighty five or so. You know, hey, I, my, my handicap will travel a little Ooh, bit. Well, we're not playing for money then. Yeah, well, goodness. <laughs> you got to spot you twenty, huh? <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see, but it'll be fun though. It'll be fun. Yeah, Coach. Or oh, we'll get Jordy Collada involved too for sure. So absolutely. Uh, I, we really, really appreciate this, Coach. Uh, we may even have you back on again uh, closer to the basketball season if you like, and then uh, maybe we can do that a little bit more reoccurring. Well, we'll have to come up with a segment name for it. Brady Anytime. Ball. I guess we can do Brady Ball. That's not, it's not happening anymore, right? I, I remember that. Brady yeah, Ball. well, I'll make some that. new T-shirts again. We'll get <laughs> it all started it. for I'll you, Coach. <laughs> all right, we pre really appreciate this, all right? All right, guys. Thank you. Enjoy it. Appreciate all right. it. All right. Oh man, you wanted to keep it on? I'm sorry. He said, "God, these fucking guys." I think he was a better All right, so we just ended our interview with Tack. Oh, with Tack Miner. We just ended our interview with John Brady. I think we caught uh, Coach Brady on a hot mic at the end too, and I think he was about to say these fucking guys with this Tack Miner question. Fucking jackasses. Yeah. I mean, fantastic. That, that, guy, fun interview. that guy is a legend, man. I don't care what anybody ever says about Coach Brady. I'm like all – you know, because he had, he had some up and down years, but a lot of that was out of his control. Um, the guys he brought in, you go to the Sweet 16, you go to the Final Four. Yeah. I mean, he's beloved here. And then coming back here and now he's an announcer, that's, that's our guy. That's my guy. That's my guy. He, I, I was in the college years. I, I rushed to the floor against Arizona. I rushed to the floor against Ole Miss when we won the SEC in 2000. Um, bringing all the Baton Rouge guys together. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. And then his talks about college football. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Him talking about not only, of course, the money and all that, but like the liability, liability part. Oh, that's, my gosh. That's probably the touchiest part of all this, isn't it? Well, it's the part that 
that's when the presidents are stepping in, right? Like that's right. when they're getting involved and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Also PR stuff. You that, talked about that a lot thing, too. Is the PR stuff. The with, PR, nobody wants with, to be the last one holding the bag and nobody yeah. wants to get, nobody wants to get sued because a player got sick. Right. Um, there's, it's just a lot of, that's a I, lot of moving parts. Man. I, I think even the biggest thing with it too, is that like you can have players sign the waivers mm-hmm. and like you take the legality of it all out but you still have the bad PR of, uh, you know, a player gets the coronavirus and you're playing football. Yeah. And then people are saying, oh, well, if you wouldn't have played football, then uh, he probably wouldn't have gotten the coronavirus. And whether that's true or not, uh, you know, it's just still – it looks bad. It's not, it's not good PR. Absolutely. So, uh, fantastic interview. Love talking to him about, um, I mean, the Dick Vitale stuff. Oh, Come yeah. on, bro. I didn't think he'd say Let's anything go. About that. Let's that go. Fantastic. I didn't think he was going to say anything either. We got him. We got it. Uh-huh. It's, on, it's recorded. Uh, I think we got everybody's questions out of the way. Um, again, hey, you guys, big, big, big shout out to our sponsor, Courtesy Buick GMC in Lafayette. The guy's been so good to us. Uh, Brandon Lejeune, Court Williams. We've got all their stuff up here. Uh, check it out. Um, but we're going to tag all of Brandon's info too like him on Facebook. He's going to post deals for you. And if you ever need a quote on something or let him run your numbers, send him a message and he can do it all for you in Lafayette. He can even deliver a vehicle to you, man. It's super convenient now. Um, so reach out to Brandon Lejeune at Courtesy Buick GMC. Also, we got a big, uh, one of our fans, Roy Edwards. Um, he is setting up a private signing for Cecil Collins coming up. Nice. Um, that'll be September 12th, I believe is the date. Um, he has got a Facebook page as well that we're going to tag, and it's Spain Hour Sports Collectibles. It's Spain like the country, and then hour like, uh, like an hourglass. <laughs> uh, so Spain Hour Sports Collectibles. We'll post that again. Um, but Roy Edwards is going to set up a private signing for Cecil Collins. So if anybody wants to get anything signed by Cecil, um, they can do it and just reach out to him and message uh, Roy. Uh, we would really, really appreciate that. With that, guys, I guess we are going to cut it short tonight. Um, we really appreciate all of our followers. We were on Facebook Live earlier. We really appreciate that. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Twitter at one team one pod on Twitter. Um, and then also go to our shop page, guys. Uh, it's one team, one podcast.com. Um, you can go to our shop page from there and you can view all of our old episodes from there as well. Uh, we really appreciate everybody that's been supporting us. And with that, we will talk to you next week. I just want to taste it. I just want, I just want a little taste of it. Come on, my lover. Come on, my friend. One Team, One Podcast, a Bandit Radio Production.